Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 45, and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I'm Atazi, streamer and co-host. And we've got a good discussion today on storytelling in video games. And to help us with the discussion, we have two guests. First up is writer and board game enthusiast, Thomas Young. Thomas, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. And welcome for the first time. So we've got... Yes, uh, first timer. Yeah, and first timer, newbie, noob, I don't know, or something more, <laughs> something more welcoming. It's going easy on me, all right? <laughs> yeah, I know. So there's, there's a good start. Um, and we've also got a returning guest, um, a new uh, gaming Bible journalist and co-founder of Start Menu, Imogen Mella. Welcome back. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I don't know if I'm a noob, but perhaps that we will find out. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll, we'll let the people be the judge. <laughs> 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 so Imogen was last with us on our uh, gaming roundtable this in the summer where we discussed many things as well as the breaking news of Mixer shutting down so this is a new show but hopefully nothing major happens while we're recording because <laughs> yeah it happened the last time as well with our the recent um, roundtable where I had to update the notes the day before uh, with Microsoft buying Bethesda so yeah just like yeah and then Amazon rudely made their announcement after we recorded. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and I was I like, think, could have done that a week later, a week earlier, no? <laughs> no. I need to start sending my show notes to like Amazon and Microsoft just so they, you know, some consideration is all I'm asking. Um, <laughs> so you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, you can also send us feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com or just throw them at us on social media at myamada on Twitter, at myamadatees on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. Before we get into the topic uh, for today, just want to give a quick update from the Myamada universe. Um, and this is pretty much just to shout out our gamepad discord community which we've got it exists uh, and we're working on doing stuff for it specifically bonus streams so after our recent uh, gamepad online event where we had to cut it short thanks to virgin media internet outages still a bit sore about that um, but it's given us the opportunity to do some yeah additional streams as well as some planned stuff that we already had uh, so over October, we've had things like uh, Animal Crossing and cosplay stream. Um, we've done, what was the other thing? Uh, oh yeah, interviews with uh, Michael Smith around neuroscience and uh, gaming. And we're going to be getting to the Friendly Fire resumption at some point. So we're still working on that. Uh, and then we've also got a bunch of uh, existing interviews that are up on our YouTube channel, uh, particular uh, particularly the one we did around uh, Black History Month. So talking to prominent black people in the industry, uh, including Des Gale. And yeah, just yeah, check that out. So all that's going to be going uh, available on Twitch through the VOD thingy. And then also we'll be putting them up on YouTube um, over November. So yeah, we've got other stuff planned for our Discord group. So we'll put those links in the show notes and you can also follow us on Twitch for future events and streams. Uh, that was it. So just letting people know. 
And now you know, and now we can continue to our main discussion. And today we're going to be talking about storytelling in video games with people who play them uh, as well as people who write about them. So this followed on from our EGX digital panel on the same topic, uh, which will be up on YouTube later in this month. So you can check that out. Uh, we didn't get to cover everything as I kind of suspected we wouldn't. It was quite a big topic. So uh, we thought we'd bring back some game writers to keep the conversation going. So some of the things that we talked about in the panel were just around how storytelling in video games has evolved, uh, where it's come from, like as a medium, uh, some comparison to other mediums, cinema, novels and such. And just, yeah, how we respond to it, uh, to these like increasingly complex narratives as gamers, but also as people who cover games or mostly for Imogen and uh, Thomas. I don't really cover games. <laughs> just like, yeah, talk about them every so often. But yeah, people do it in some kind of, in like an actual professional manner. Um, so what I wanted to start with, as we did in the panel, is just touch on what people's favorite game stories are and why so we'll start with Imogen like what are some of your favorite video game stories oh gosh it's a it's a hard one isn't it because games are all about stories uh gosh I think some of my favorites would include the original Life is Strange uh something like Grim Fandango that's a really good game uh I would say uh Her Story um, which is sort of an FMV type of game. I'm, I've currently sort of just about finished with uh, The Witcher 3, which is possibly the best storytelling ever done in a game. Um, uh, yeah, honestly, there's, you know, such a wide variety of, of games. Oh, Portal 2. I, I can't not mention that. Yeah. One of my favorite games of all time. That's one of mine as well. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things uh, is with, um, with gaming it just as a whole – what I've always really enjoyed uh, is the fact that with TVs and movies, you can, um, it's either show or tell. It's either someone says it or there's a camera move and you see something and that is telling you, uh, I'm sorry, it's showing you a bit of a story. With um, with games, it's always like a bit of like hide and seek. It's, uh, it's you can find the story or you can't that's you know it's up to the way you play it sometimes and i think that's what i've always really enjoyed and the games that allow you to really like go off and really find and look into the story are, are probably my favorites okay yeah like, i i definitely i haven't played the witch i really need to i need to do mm. that yeah get on honestly that. <laughs> honestly yeah. it's, it's uh, uh, i i hadn't played it i hadn't played it until this year um when i started streaming um it was, uh, I, I was thinking of one of the best games I could play that would, you know, when I had low, low viewership at, at, at the very beginning, um, what could I talk about? And, and, and I had story points to talk about um, uh, without having to, you know, talk to an audience so much, you know, I had something to bounce off of. And I started The Witcher 3 for the first time. And it's just so phenomenally well done. It has the best, uh, has the best storytelling of any game I think I've ever played. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, all right, we're going to dig into that. And uh, yeah, I like that you mentioned Portal uh, 2 because that like is a great game, great story, but it's also is funny. And that's something yeah. that's not always done so much in video games, like a, a comedy uh, and done well as well, which is yeah, uh, it's, it's tough to get comedy right. 
It's it's one of the funniest games I think people play have have played or can recommend. Is you ha- actually have like a proper few belly laughs when someone says something that's in it's you know it's an important story point or fact. Uh, if if you've never played Portal Two, one of the first things um, at the very be- beginning of the game is that you wake up as Chell, the main character, and you meet a robot that asks you to say Apple. And if you know anything about Portal, you know Chell is mute. Chell never says anything. And so, uh, and, and and it comes up on screen, press X to uh, say Apple. And instead you jump um, and, and and the robot in front of you goes, no, you're jumping, That that's jumping. Can you say Apple? And then you do it again. So it teaches you a mechanic, you know, how to jump in the game by, you know, f- using a funny story beat to say that Chell doesn't speak, Chell can't speak. All she can do is jump, <laughs> and that's it. And that's and, and that's like a sort of like a, a very solid beginning when it comes to sort of the humor of the game. It teaches you a mechanic, and you and you get the relationship between um, uh, Wheatley and Chell very quickly. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I actually forgot about that that beginning part. So yeah, it's good. Uh, when's the last time you played it? Is your I... memory just like way better than mine? <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, I haven't played it since 2011. My it was oh, so yes. <laughs> well, no. The thing is, is that it was my favorite game at that point, and it continues to be my favorite game. I am going to play it next year, or like on the anniversary of it, um, of 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 it coming out as a, a decade between my first playthrough and my second playthrough. I committed to that as when I was you know 14 or so. Cool. Um, and uh, Thomas, how about you? What are some of your uh, favorite video game stories? Uh, I'll start with the most recent one that I played, uh, which was Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. Like, mm-hmm. The way that that game puts you in the mind of that character and how it portrays the story through you're experiencing the same psychosis that um, Senua's going through is just phenomenal. Like, I could not stop playing that game once I picked it up. Yeah, that game is serious. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think I got like halfway through and I was like, okay, I need to like take a little break for a bit because this is just too much, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Firewatch is another recent one um, that I really, really enjoyed the story of. Like, Is that a Steam game? Uh, yes. It's the oh, one. It's on Steam. The, um, uh, you're, you're literally like a fire, not a, I was going to say a firefighter, but a fire watcher living out in the middle of the wilderness just like oh, i want to get away all i'm going to do is look at some trees for a while but then things don't quite go as you'd expect um obviously i don't want to leave any spoilers but uh it's very very gripping like once you start playing it mm-hmm. cool i recently added it to my watch list so it just looked really intriguing and it's just a different kind of is because it is very this is a you're playing a story it's not it's not necessarily about the mechanics or that's my impression i got from the trailer so it is about the story and, and this character and what they go through what you go through yeah like it's got a big focus on the physicality of your character and also like any good story game well i say any good story game we've just been talking about the witcher 3 but you can complete it in i'd say a single weekend um, so it's really great if you're just like, I want to go in, have a great story, and be done with it in a weekend. Mm. Okay. Cool, oh, yeah. All right, I need to get to that as well. Uh, and then similar uh, is Gone Home. That's another one of my favorite uh, game stories. Like, again, just really short, 
does what it wants to do amazingly well and then leaves you feeling like, okay, I just experienced something really good. All right, I'm like making mental notes. <laughs> <laughs> All these games I need to get to. Um, like Tazzy, on, on the panel, you previously mentioned uh, Titanfall. Is that uh, you still holding to that? It's like a game because I haven't. That's another one I haven't played. I've got like a very long uh, list of shame here. But do you want to tell us a bit about that game? Yeah, like it's not necessarily my favorite, but it's definitely one that I think stands out that people don't really know about people tend to like give shooters a bit of a miss when it comes to story. People tend to like just go straight for the the multiplayer, uh, especially Titanfall because Titanfall 2 is the first, like Titanfall 1 didn't have a story. But yeah, uh, definitely very like, it's again short. You can like just play it sort of in one weekend, but you're very, you're very attached to a, a titan <laughs> which if you don't know what a titan is in time for if you've not ever come across the game for some reason uh they are giant robot like mecha basically it's like pacific rim but smaller yeah <laughs> and uh yeah like they're they're programmed but they have personality that they they're ai personalities um but yeah you get very attached to to the uh, main titan that you play with as companion. I don't know how to... <laughs> I've watched enough Disney movies to know that I can get very, very attached to a robot if I want yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it can happen. Yeah, like the characters are so interesting. And for a game that, you know, originally didn't have a story to having this, like, amazing journey... Uh, it's definitely like it stands out stands out there's obviously so many great ones like i'm a massive legend of zelda fan uh so wind waker is like but literally any zelda game (laughs) (laughs) it's basically the same story every time but still amazing (laughs) yeah it's funny that is the same story every time and yet there's always some there's always a bit of spice they're just like haha <laughs> imagine yeah. that this is the world they're living in now same story you know you know the, you sort of know the outcome going in but yeah. the way that you get to the ending that you exactly. know you're going to get is completely different every time yeah 100% like twilight princess was like wow it's so off the wall it's like <laughs> oh, <laughs> you thought you knew what was going to happen yeah. like some wolf now get yeah, over yeah. it <laughs> And it's like the beginning, the middle, and the end is kind of the same. Like mm. the, the 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 layout is the same, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. but the journey is different, right? Mm-hmm. And then all this lore and stuff that depends on what what world you're in. And then there's like all the linking to them together. No pun yeah. intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Zelda's one of those ones that seems to go off like sure the story is always the same, but those characters that change from game to game like you were talking about twilight princess like midna is a character that i don't think i'm gonna forget in a hurry yeah 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 and it's a bit like mario i guess i mean i think nintendo properties do it really well speaking of same story yeah it's it like it's again with uh yeah i i think the most recent mario games like uh odyssey and uh galaxy one and two for example the stories that are in that you know you need to go save someone but uh, Galaxy 1 and Odyssey are two of my favorites because they're just like, wow, this is an entire world. And there's so many new things to go and discover. And it's not much for story. You don't really need to pay attention too much because you're like, okay, save the princess, we get it. 
but like uh, just the little tidbits here and there it's just you know it's just nice odyssey done something different for me because uh, i was like really attached to bowser in it like oh i, yeah, I, felt, you know, I felt so much really? for him yeah they like then it's like there there's not much in it and like there's not much in terms of talking as well mm-hmm. like in, in terms of dialogue but i think they like animate uh, the expressions really well in mm. odyssey um and yeah like i really felt like really sorry for bowser and like the weird <laughs> attachment to him mm-hmm. and like <laughs> He just yeah. wanted to get married. I was, I was so he just crazy. wants a marriage. Who <laughs> <laughs> doesn't like, want that? Grip. And I'm like, this is a Mario game. The basics are the same. I mean, the basics are the same from bloody the first Donkey Kong. It's, mm. <laughs> mm. you know, Mario so Princess Peach. It's really not changed. <laughs> but, have, like, the Mario RPGs and like the Paper Mario series. Like, yeah. I, I think one of the big reasons that they work so well is because it's kind of absurd to have a full story in a Mario game, right? Like, that's mm. why they're comedies, because you can't have a very serious RPG when your main character just says Mamma Mia, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. What's what's so interesting about that is that uh, with um with characters, for example, like Nathan Drake, I think they're normally the punchline to the very serious worlds they're around, whereas Mario is the opposite. It's like the world is absurd, and Mario's just stood there like, yeah, okay, and then you, and that's like <laughs> semi-funny, just because everyone else can do anything, say anything, and Mario will just be consistently like, okay, I get it, I guess. Gonna yeah. go find my woman now. <laughs> 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 and it's like it's like this opposite. Like normally it's the character making the world funny, but in this in this instance, it's like the world makes the character funny. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And I guess like that there's the whole thing about like video games, like the world that you're in and how you as the player responds to that. And yeah, the different protagonists you play as then impact like how that world is is perceived. Like um, so you meant like Mario. Uh, I mentioned Link. Um, even like with Portal as well, you you get these silent protagonists. And one of the things that obviously with video games you have in terms of like as a medium, what's different to other mediums is that agency. Uh, and I I noticed that one of the things that video games tends to do not not obviously not every time, but tends to do is give you that silent protagonist to allow you to project yourself uh, onto onto the game more. Um, and another thing that, like another game that I quite like is Half-Life 2, which for me was a great example. Uh, I can't remember exactly when this came out, but it was very like groundbreaking in terms of like mechanics, but also in terms of storytelling, how it, it just allowed you to project onto Gordon Freeman and then through him showed you this this world and state of this world and the relationships of the characters. And... Yeah, I think I don't know what the the best approach is. I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on like if obviously not there's not like one, you know, one approach to rule them all, but what are the thoughts on like having that that silent protagonist versus, you know, this character like Nathan Drake who's just gonna talk and give you that kind of story. I, mean, I, oh. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think like the, the I think Half Life Two again has an amazing story. And I think one of the things that I tend to look at when I'm thinking about Half-Life 2 is what is it that makes Gordon such a good protagonist for the player to put themselves in the shoes of? And I think one of those things is the fact that there's no cutscenes in that game. Like, you start the game, 
literally seeing through Gordon's eyes, and you end the game seeing through Gordon's eyes, right? Like, you can relate to him because you've been on that exact journey that he's been on throughout that game. That's a really good point. And I was actually going to bring this up uh, in a bit, but I'll mention it now because I wanted to talk about sort of video game mechanics and how that lends itself towards the narrative and something that has sort of come up well, at least I've noticed it sort of recently is this discussion around cutscenes and whether, yeah, whether they're needed or as needed to convey like story information. So I, I've heard, you know, sort of both sides of the argument and where people will say, you know, why do we need cutscenes? It, it spoils the flow of the game. Um, so, like, I mean, like Thomas, do you, do you feel, because in, in Half-Life 2, it's the lack of cutscenes that allows you to project and enjoy that story. Uh, do you think that's something that should be considered for other games? Do we need cutscenes less now that games have other ways of sort of conveying narrative and story? I think it, it definitely depends on the game because, like, even with Half Life Two, there's certain points in that story where you can tell that Valve want to put a cutscene in. Like, there's scenes where you're you can't move and you're literally on like a um, like a rail. And you can just sit there and watch things happening. Like, is that kind of like a cutscene? I think there's, if you're going to go down that route of, I'm not putting any cutscenes in this game at all, I think you still need to take into account how that will affect your game, because it will, for sure. I like have it. I think there's, again, I think it depends on the game. There's certain games where cutscenes are great, and other games where they do, you're like there, and you're like, can we just, continue you could do the talky talky bit while i'm doing stuff <laughs> and like it really depends and as, as a streamer as well as i'm always thinking about games for streaming <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. the cutscenes just great for you to like take a second and just and chill sit back everyone can just watch you're like talk it's a good break where you don't have to talk um and obviously that's a very specific modern thing to think about in gaming but even just some like of heavier games, some like really action-packed games as well. Uh, like I've just playing Doom earlier, and like that's like while you're playing, it is go 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 go, and I just need to breathe. And they have these really short cutscenes in between, and you're just like, okay, now I can breathe. Well, this cutscene's happening, ready for like the next bout of mayhem, and I don't find them interruptive. I just find them like a nice sort of like chill out moment just a second to like catch my breath <laughs> like it goes to like it goes to pacing um so whether it's those in-game moments like uh like half-life where you're sort of you're stuck in one place and you're watching characters talk but it's not you know specifically a cutscene but it's a pause in the action sort of in between sort of moments of high action um or whether it's an out and out cinematic uh cut screen you need some kind of pacing and I think there's that benefit uh, for cutscenes, but then obviously the uh, the argument that's made is sort of the exposition uh, dumping that can happen, where you know you want to experience a story rather than be told what the story is. To Imogen's point earlier, like I guess it's better to show um, your story elements rather than tell. Um, but again, it depends on the uh, yeah, it depends on the specific story being told. Yeah. And like, I was just going to mention as well, another thing I really don't like, uh, well, not necessarily don't like, but some games 
uh, it just does destroy the pacing when they have these moments where there's not a cutscene, but it it's exposition. But you have to control the character, but not doing anything. You're just walking forward, and then you're like, and then you have to press X. Oh, wait, you mean like, 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 um, oh, press F on, to pay respects. Tour of uh, this facility, just follow behind me. Yeah, and then you, you're like, you don't progress until you press X or whatever, but like, there's no need for it. I'm like, this would be much better if I was just sitting back and enjoying this rather mm. than this weird thing where I'm like, I'm having to constantly like unpause it. <laughs> and I think that can really like break up the flow. But yeah, like Halo has some amazing cutscenes and that game I couldn't imagine without them. Like they're epic. They're, they're graphically epic, sound epic. Like I think that press F to pay respects is probably the most infamous example of could this not just be a cutscene? What does it gain from being like gameplay in quotation marks? Yeah. I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to think basically of like when I've ever felt really interrupted by a cutscene. I haven't played Press F to play res- to pay respects, um, but I know I know of that being one of the worst examples of just just play the movie, my guy, please. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm really trying to think of any like games I've played where it feels really disruptive. But I think it's down to what you expect. I think um I think Tazzy had a, a good uh, example in that with um with uh, Doom. It's short. Yeah, that the the interactions in Doom are continually very fast. Like you 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 are and the cutscenes being short feel appropriate for the type of game that it is right but whereas i mentioned a game called her story which is technically cutscene after cutscene after cutscene but it's but that's the point it's it's you type in a word and some videos come up and you have to watch them and you have to try and work out who killed someone and and and, and watching is part of the process so i like i i've personally never had a massive problem with cutscenes however I don't think I'm playing a lot of games where people will complain about cutscenes like I think shooters where to, to connect these two massive set pieces, you have to sit through, you know, five minutes of dialogue between a general and a and your character because he's telling you to go to X place of the desert and you're like, why I wasn't supposed to go. And then he's like, oh, OK, we need to go like you like where the story isn't so much about set pieces and stuff like that, like 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 I think in CODs. Um, I, I would say battlefield stuff like that. I think there'd probably be more of a problem because they would suit short, uh, short cutscenes, but require long to put the pieces together. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely ways, particularly in a lot of shooters, where the pacing is affected by not unnecessary cutscenes, but maybe like too long, or they could tell part of that story while you're interacting. But also like. It's re- like I find it really hard to concentrate on story and like heavy action. And mm. some games like put the story over like a fight scene or something. And I'm like concentrating on pressing buttons. And I'm like, wait, what are we talking about? Like, I'm yeah. totally missed part of the story. Where are we going? Could you not? And then understand? someone over an intercom shouts something very important. Poor, yeah. And yeah. you're like, what was that? Sorry, this. I didn't hear it. Can you say that again? <laughs> I was busy shooting my gun. <laughs> I was busy running away from the enemy. What was that? <laughs> oh, yeah. so I. Oh, were you going to say something, Thomas? I, think I was just going to say that 
it seems to me like cutscenes are very much a, a tool, and it's 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 not a case of cutscenes are good or bad. I think it's just a case of yeah. you know it's how it's used. Like you were talking about um, Call of Duty, um, I think those games tend to be designed a lot around like individual set pieces. Yeah, like oh, we could have this cool bit where you like jump off a train and the train flips through the air and then you catch it in one hand because you're super. But why were you on the crane? You crash landed at the top of the crane after something went wrong like two minutes ago. I don't know. We need to put together some kind of cutscene that explains how you're in this ridiculous situation, and we can't do that unless it's five minutes long. And they're screaming at you over an intercom and then you're panicked and then you're at the top of a crate, yeah. It's just a mess, you know. <laughs> All right, so, uh, I mean, we've got, like, cutscenes, as, like Thomas says, like, uh, one of the tools available here in terms of conveying, like, story. And just thinking in terms of, like, mechanics, because it's always with video games, you have the agency, but it's always the balance between your you're playing a game and experiencing a story of some kind. And it's that, yeah, it's the balance between the two. And I feel, as has been mentioned, uh, the idea of like cutscenes used wrong are interrupting the flow that you're in as you're you're actively playing the game. Um, but then, obviously, there are, are like other tools about. And one of the things that I quite like is where information is conveyed through relationships and characters. And one of my favorite examples uh, in terms of like favorite video game stories is God of War, like the latest God of War, which I think is just an amazing, uh, an amazing game. And for uh, for me, because I so I make stories of like comic uh, manga stories, but always interested in how storytelling comes across in video games. And one of the reasons I like God of War so much is it it has that balance of mechanics and narratives. Like it's so it's so satisfying to play, but also it has what I think is quite a complex story in terms of a a guy, Kratos, who you'd seen previously just this just all just rage personified, um just going about uh, in quite a one-dimensional way, just exacting revenge on on the gods. But in the latest God of War, you've you've got like a man who is learning to become a father, and that just adds a, a sort of depth to the story that I I wasn't, I guess I wasn't fully prepared for, um, but really like to see. And in terms of conveying story, one of the things they did in that game, which I really liked, is they'd have um, Kratos and his son uh, Atreus on uh, on a boat on a lake paddling. Not paddling, I made that's a weird visual image, but rowing. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and like uh, Atreus just wanted to get to know his, his father would ask questions or ask, you know, to be told a story. And Kratos would tell a story and it's the most sort of just basic, no embellishments, uh, fact, 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 end of story. And it's just moments like that or moments earlier in the game where you have um, Atreus learning to shoot his bow uh, and Kratos trying to teach him and you kind of control um, uh, you control Atreus as he's sort of nervously trying to sort of pull back his bow to kill this deer. And it, it, it teaches you sort of mechanics, but it also teaches you about the characters that you're playing. And the thing about story is like the, the characters are going on a, on a journey and I thought that's just a really good way to show the journey of these two characters uh, across this game. So that's just like one of the things I like. I don't know if, has anyone played the, the new God of War? 
or the latest God of War? I I haven't, but I think one of the relation like like you you're talking about like a massive relationship in a game that you know it could be so lovely to see like a massive relationship in a game. I think one of the things about you know uh, uh, Life is Strange is similar that it's it's the relationship between these two friends that haven't seen each other in years and coming back. Like like the the massive relationships in games of great storytelling mechanics, but I'm also I think the ones I prefer on a whole are the silly like momentary relationships where you can see how someone reacts to you, and then you mm. can make all of these tiny little assumptions about who you are. Like uh, so so one of my favorite games of last year, my game of the year probably was uh, uh, Disco Elysium which is, I can't believe I haven't mentioned it before in this podcast. Forgive me, <laughs> Studio Zaum. Uh, but it's one of the best uh, story games, again. Like, it's up there with The Witcher 3 for me um, for different reasons. But with that, it's um, a very quick uh, uh, synopsis of the very beginning of the game is that you wake up sort of a middle-aged, drunken, hungover man with no memory of who you were before. Just none. Just absolutely no idea how you got into that situation, where you come from, what your name is, anything about yourself. Um, and you come downstairs and there's a bartender who is so angry with you. He's very short. He's trying to keep his you know, temper, um, temper because you are a customer, but you haven't paid your bills and you've been drunk in, a, in the hotel room that he's looking after for a week You've broken things, uh, and 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 all of a sudden, like like you're getting context from a short relationship. You aren't, you know, emotionally invested in this relationship, but it's a very honest look at like what it sort of feels like to talk to someone on the street and reading their reaction off of who you are as a character, character you don't know, and your character doesn't know, and uh, and who that is, and and who you might become from that. Um, that game is entirely because you don't know who you are. For learning more about yourself from the way that you interact with people for the first time sometimes like you find out you were a detective you were there to go solve a murder but you have no idea why you went up into a room and just never came out you just don't know why um and it's all these sort of reactions where you have to find someone you've met maybe met them before maybe you haven't met them yet and you absolutely see the look of disgust when you accidentally like you burp in their face like that like that sort of stuff i think like uh, like like there are the big relationships in games that you know are all about i mean they're so integral to the story like god of war but then there are lots of little relationships that i think are you know really entertaining in some ways and tell you a lot more about the world that you're in um with something like disco elysium yeah, no, I get that. And it's always the consideration with games because in the game story, the characters aren't brand new. Like they're they're people, they've been somewhere, they've come from someplace, they've got goals, ambitions, relationships, mm. all that kind of stuff. But as you're playing the game, you need to be taught the basics. So you need to be taught like uh like in Portal, like jump. This this is jump. And and it's how how do you get that? So in situations like that where you know character has forgotten who they are, that's that's brilliant because that then that allows you to learn as the character learns and it fits with the story. And it's always the, the difficult thing when you're uh like I guess you mentioned Uncharted earlier, like that one where like Nathan Drake is 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 like the guy, and you know he knows he knows his stuff. Mm -hmm. But you as a player need to, and over each game need to relearn uh, the mechanics. Or you know, as a game designer, you can't assume you know everyone's playing the previous game. You have to treat it like people are coming to it new, or 
or have you know forgotten how to play the game and need to be retaught. Uh, so I'm always like keen to see how people deal with that in a game and teach you those basics while fitting in with the story. I have to agree with that point. Like I've noticed in games, uh, like there is a point where you can use teaching the mechanics as a storytelling tool, right? And when you don't, <laughs> the beginning of the game can become really boring if you're a, like a you know regular gamer if. if you're someone who does play a lot of games. Uh, being taught how to play a game <laughs> is like really frustrating. <laughs> and so it's so refreshing when a game uses that opportunity as a storytelling mechanic because then you don't feel like you're being taught how to press X. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's so refreshing. And it is at that point where you can use uh, mechanics as a storytelling like tool. Yeah, I think like one of the biggest things that I find um, with tutorials doing it wrong is where a game is a sequel, because so often you have like start of the game and it's like, okay, you've just come out of like Nathan Drake's last quest. And it's like, all right, we know you did all that cool stuff in the first game, but do you know how to fire a gun? Because I feel like I'm going to have to teach you (laughs) how to fire a gun. Yeah, I think um, actually one of the games I think did this or basically did away with the tutorial in some ways was um, The Witcher 3. Uh, One of the things I went into, because I was asking people, like, what should I know going into The Witcher 3? And someone said to me, you are going to feel like for the first eight or so hours that you've been dropped into a world that isn't yours. It feels like a save file that you've just picked up and you're having to just work it out they keep throwing stuff at you and you're bewildered but you just need to you just need to go with it and eventually you will get it and i was like okay that sounds weird and i absolutely know what uh, that person was saying because when you pick up the witcher 3 for the first time there are all these words all this law that the game just doesn't care that you don't know they're just like you'll get it give it like i don't know yeah 10 hours and all of a sudden you'll be like, going, oh yeah, okay, okay, if it's a werewolf, then there'll be, you know, I need to consider this, this, and this, and this. And it's really refreshing because as the game goes, you've absorbed enough knowledge to start, you know, you can make an assumption out of something someone says, something that was like gobbledygook to you uh, for 20 hours ago makes perfect sense and you can have like a, like a considered conversation with them so there is basically no like tutorial in how to deal with some of the elements in the world it just says you'll come back to this later remember like 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 this word will become a familiar part of the world to you and you know uh, and you just have to deal with it it's just like you know suck it up man just keep going (laughs) like just keep going until you have to until you have to get to the point where you have to learn what's what's going on so there's no formal tutorial level. So there's there's stage. a tutorial area. There's okay. there, there is a, there are I think a three slash four maps or something of of the entire sort of world. Um, there is a small map um, called White Orchard where you start, where you can sort of like you can. It is basically like okay, this is the practice run. This is basically what the entire game is going to be like in this much smaller map than the the next one are going to be dropped in go have a wild time <laughs> go make some mistakes until you know <laughs> things that aren't going to really matter to the to the, to the wider story later on um go work out how consequences work go work out how the um how like like it will give you like a first idea of okay so you're going to go see like there's this ghost 
This is the sign that will work on the ghost. You'll find that in your book. These are the potions that will work on the ghost. Find that in your book. And this is where the ghost is. Good luck. And it sort of just says that and lets you get on with it. And then all of a sudden, you know, okay, so when I encounter a new um, a, a new beast or something, it will appear in the book. You look in the book. The book will come up with some notes. It will give you an idea of what potions, what signs, and all of the stuff will work on the on that thing but it's up to you to utilize that information when you get to things whenever you meet some when you ever meet a new beast you can just run towards it and fight it and win or you can go do some research get the right equipment and maybe take less time feel like you've earned that fight better like you know you know you know engaged with that monster or that situation in a more informed way and it'd be an easier experience and you have the choice yeah for me it was like the third kind of monster i encountered that was like oh i get mm. it now i just have to check the book and it'll tell me like a poster <laughs> or something that i can then like add to my but it, mm. it does it does it speak well it teaches you how to fish basically mm. like it doesn't give you the fish it teaches you how to fish and mm. and you're like okay here we go and it gives you a very brief like tutorial at the beginning uh where it's like a flashback and you you've just got like it teaches like basic buttons and again, it does it in a way that it doesn't feel like you're being taught how to play a game. You don't yeah. feel like I know how to jump. <laughs> like you don't, you don't feel like that. Um, you kind of feel like, oh, I'm just following this character, uh, and it's just telling me the buttons on screen while I'm doing it, and it acts like you're teaching her. So you feel like the teacher right. rather than the, the taught, which is great because I just, I just, I don't want to feel like. I'm, I'm like I'm new to this because I'm not yeah <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and it's that, that feeling that it creates and yeah definitely like it took me a while to figure out that I'm supposed to be checking the book and that's even with like understanding some witcher lore uh from reading the book one of the books and watching the series the game just says go work it out like, <laughs> like you'll get there eventually <laughs> that places a lot of trust on the player it does a lot of people bounce off the witcher because they don't get that I can and if you don't like re- if reading in a game, or you're not used to reading in a game, <laughs> right. there's That's so much in the world. Mm. There's so much in the world. Like I'm not a big fan of reading, but this game makes you want to read because there's so much information on it. Um, but it's like you can you can totally play it without reading anything, uh, and you you'd be fine. Like you can figure it out. But it's definitely a game where you like I like that because it's you have to figure it out. Like there's something to do. And you you do like, like you're kind of like a child in a in a world where you're just like trying to figure figure out how it works. And like, <laughs> it's it's like yeah, be like a baby given a sword and go go on, go work it out, <laughs> like go fight that thing over there. And like eventually you're like, oh yeah, I need two swords. And it and and you you start to figure like when you figure out which sword is for what, then you're like, oh my god, this makes so much sense. I don't yeah. know why I didn't understand <laughs> it at the beginning because it's really mm. not that complicated. It's just one for people and one for beasts. Everything else. Yeah. (laughs) One for most of the things you're going to encounter. (laughs) Yeah, and you're just like, oh, okay. And you do. You kind of start to recognize different types of enemies. And you can, like, I'm more of the, like, I don't bother reading stuff. I just go in and I'm like, ah, this is kind of like that one we met before. And I'm going to guess we need this kind of thing. I was like, do it yay so like trial and error just letting you as the player figure it out but then also because you you said there was like there's a specific area we 
you can do this is, is kind of then weaving that into the story it sounds like yeah like okay. they, they they definitely have layers of story at first you're trying to find yennefer and then all of a sudden you're trying to find uh siri there's like the two facts of sort of the game and and how that works the first step is finding yennefer and you're sort of let loose in this smaller area to to get on that track or on that trail and then you're given the actual story it's like you play like an entire mini story at the very beginning of the game that doesn't really have much consequence because later on right. things really have a consequence you don't even know it it's just like oh you thought this was a completely innocent decision no, the ending of the game is different now. <laughs> You're like, oh god. <laughs> uh, I think one of the things that I enjoy most about The Witcher Three, as well, is how it mirrors um, the mechanics um, of the game with how a Witcher should actually be. So you yeah. were talking about how, like, oh, you need these two swords for one for killing humans, one for killing monsters. Like at multiple points in the story, some small kid will come up to Geralt and be like. Why have you got two swords? And you'd be like, well, one's for killing monsters and one's for killing humans. And the kill like, oh! The kill like, oh my god, that makes so much sense. And I'll be like, oh my god, that makes so much sense. And like, preparing potions and like, properly laying out a hunt, you're like, oh, that's exactly what Geralt would do. That's what I should be doing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And there is just so much story. And I guess because like, The Witch is, is quite like an open, like, open world game. Um, and you have that those two types of games in terms of like open world or quite tight narrative focused games where like the open world sort of lets you loose in a sense. Like Gravity Auto is uh, a good one, which I'm finally playing through just like an update uh, on that. But um, yeah, so it just gives you this world and it lets you make mistakes, try things, discover new ways of doing things all in the context of the story that you're playing. And then you have games like uh, we uh, we mentioned Uncharted. Uh, Last of Us is a good one, Half-Life 2, where it's very much like this is the story we want you to experience and we're going to use the mechanics to have you experience that story. So I, I remember, I mean, even Half-Life 2 uh, was a good one when you start and you enter this uh, city and you see how like the... Um, how again memory failing but like the, the sort of enemy troops how they treat ordinary citizens like the state of the world or more recently uh the last of us like even the first one where you have this outbreak and you they show you how it's impacted people um in this moment where you have to i think there's someone trapped and you have to basically shoot them put them out of their misery because they're being uh they're either being turned or they were just turned uh into one of the infected and it's like put him out of his misery and so it's teaching you to how to aim and shoot but at the same time conveying the, the grimness of this world and like really setting the tone so i, I wonder like if if um do, does anyone have a like preference for what uh what they lean more towards like the sort of open world go and have fun give the baby two swords uh, let them figure <laughs> out <laughs> or like uh sort of um yeah the sort of tighter tighter narrative i'm more towards linear not because i don't like open world i love open world and i really wish i could play more of them but just because i'm so distracted and like i don't finish the game all in one sitting so linear means that if i go away from it and come back i don't sit there and i'm like like what the hell is going on here <laughs> i'm just kind of like Oh, oh yeah, I, this is where we left off. It's like just picking up a TV show, like when you've been yeah. it for a while. But like, so so it's 
it's literally just because my brain can't function well enough for an open world <laughs> game. And I hate that because I love watching people play open world games. I do play open world games. I love them. I just wish I, my brain would just like focus more and like be able to play them better. <laughs> I think with open world games, there's there's always going to be a certain amount of it where it's like, okay, well, this just does not make sense narratively because you're giving the player the freedom to do whatever they want. They can go yeah. wherever they want. You can have a mission where someone goes, oh my God, my wife is going to die from two swords in the back uh, from yeah, a child. Right now. <laughs> right now. And you need to go save her. And you're like, don't worry, I'll do it right now. And then you can spend 20 hours like, <laughs> in, uh, in a field and then come back and be like all right how's your wife <laughs> <laughs> it's like fine thanks yeah you you're very quick <laughs> 10 out of 10 service <laughs> yeah there is and i think there are some open world games that make it so that like you have time side quests and you have like forever side quests and that really stresses me out but i also like it uh, I think it's a cool thing to have in a game, but I'm like, no, I haven't got more exploring to do. I can't, I can't do your quest right now. But if you don't do it now, you're never going to get to do it. Or once you triggered it, it's like it is kind, and yeah. it, you fail it, you fail it. And I think something that happened mm. to me was when I was playing uh, near Automata, and uh, <laughs> got the, got a, like machine kid killed. <laughs> and I was like, I could have wait nine s. No, no, uh, I got like one of the machines when. Oh, what do you get? Okay, okay. Little cylinder robots. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you've got to like go and take, find him in the world and bring him back to his mum and dad robot machine. And and I was like, I could, I so could have unsaved it, but I felt it ruined the the point of having that. And I was just like, well, he's dead. And on we go. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and then you go in and like you tell the mom and you're like, yeah. And I'm like, like it doesn't give you that chance to just, oh, you failed it, so you can go back. Like you can you can start from the checkpoint. I kind of love that, but I also hate it. Like you're cool. Games are mm. cool. Like, it's such a cool, cool mechanic to have. And I think I think for me, it's like I wish games told you like from the get-go what kind of like what it has. There's just like a checklist. <laughs> Because there might be like a, a side quest that I like the like the intro for the story, but I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I'm finding berries right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I find out that no, I had to do that then, and it, otherwise it stops existing. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh man, like I really wanted to explore that. Or like you get to a certain point, you know, if you're following like the main story, like there's some games where it's like once you reach that part of the story, all these side quests are no longer available. And I'm like, I just want to know that before going in. Mm. That's all I want. I, I just want to know. Three does a good job of that because I think there's like a couple of points in that game where it's like, look, if you go past this point, it's all over. Like, yeah, <laughs> it just goes. So you're going. You, you're on this boat. You're going into the mist. Uh, <laughs> so if you go into the mist, everything changes, and you're like, okay, thank you. I'm gonna go back, back home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give a couple of more hours. Yeah, I'm. I am definitely of the opinion. Like, like I, I was just trying to work out like what I prefer when it comes to either like super linear or like open world. 
I mean, my favorite game, well, one of my favorite games is, you know, uh, The Witcher, right? Which is, it's open world, and but it never feels empty. It always feels like I always have a purpose. I recently played Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Origins, and they feel too big with not enough in them in a lot of ways, where it just, like, it, I definitely have the, oh, there's a kid and he's in the mountains, and you want me to go get, oh, just, yeah, okay. <laughs> They can wait. I want to go get some new arrows and like you, know, you go and do something else, right? Whereas The Witcher, like something happens, and I don't think they give you a real. I don't. I can't think of a time in The Witcher where they were like, "There's an actual time limit or a super sense of urgency." It's this thing will come to you once you have prepared yourself in this part of the the mission, or you need to you need to sit here and wait for that thing to come to you. So that might be timings with the day or it might be like a there is a battle that is going to happen therefore you need to be here but it will happen once you are there and and i think that 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 is maybe the difference in where i find i'm like myself comfortable with those sorts of stories it's like as long as it feels like you have to be there and the thing will happen rather than oh no child is dying run across the country and you're like nah i'm all right <laughs> you know it's like it's like it's okay and and even with um even with assassin's creed origins there is a moment where you exactly have the child is uh, in 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 mortal danger go save them and i was on stream and i was like oh we can't save the kid can we there is no point in me rushing because they're going to take that choice away from me no matter what right like i have to run across this town to the point but there's no way this 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 there is no way they they're giving me the actual choice to save the child. You just want it to feel dramatic and make me feel like I'm part of something when I know that I'm not. And it turns out you cannot save the child. There's just no way. Mm. Um, and that sort of you know that really like I think Assassin's Creed Origins has some great characters, but I think it's exactly the opposite in what I find entertaining about open world story games, where the story is entertaining wherever you go. Like it's just like oh, there's so little autonomy. Just please, <laughs> just 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 give me the cutscene. I don't know my my guy. <laughs> like I don't I don't want to participate when I know that there's no choice. Yeah, that's when you take away that option from open world it's like is it really open world or is it just yeah. a big game <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an illusion. Yeah. yeah is it a linear game that you'd have no choice in but they've just given you the amount that you can you can run across a field here and there in between you know i think breath of the wild was like the perfect open world game for me because it was like a it's like zelda we know the storyline uh <laughs> <laughs> and it's like but then it was like, oh, wait, it's Zelda, but I can do it in any order. Like, I don't have to wait to get, like, whatever weapon. Like, I can get that specific weapon when I want. It's like, mm. okay. And there's just all these side quests that are just permanently there. And it's so big. And, like, I went and done it in a completely different order to one of my friends who was watching me stream it. I was like, you're doing it wrong. And I'm like... What do you mean wrong? Yeah. <laughs> I would just, there just was a quest that came up and I was like following that. And they're like, no, but why are you not like going and doing what like Impa said or something? And I'm like, what? Huh? <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm like, I haven't even been there yet. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just like off doing some um, something else. And like, I like when I finished the game, it was because stream was like, just hurry up and go and like fight Ganon. And I was like, 
Okay, okay, fine. And then went and I'm like, oh wait, the whole game's still here, even though I've like beat him and it's hilarious because you're like, no one seems to have acknowledged that I've beaten him. (laughs) But there's only a side quest that I can still go and enjoy. And like I've still got like tons of tons of uh oh they're not dungeons, they're shrines to Oh yeah, shrines. And I'm like, oh, okay, like I can just jump into this. I feel a bit lost because I'm like, oh, I don't have an end goal now. But it, I like the fact that it's all there. Yeah, I do agree with that. I, I quite like some some guidance, some level of guidance in my even open yeah. world games. Although some of my favorite games are open world games, but I feel particularly recently, mm-hmm. I just I feel like just just guide me. <laughs> and yeah. experience the story. I like having a checklist, like a, here are all the things you can do and in any order. But I think that's why I like Zelda because... It's here are all the things that you need to do, but yeah, it doesn't matter which order you do them in. Yeah, what, what what's so interesting about yeah, what's so interesting about Zelda, like that particular Zelda, is that you do the two, and then the checklist that you mentioned comes up that says defeat Ganon, and you can as soon as you've done the tutorial area run and finish the game. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing, <laughs> nothing doing. You. Yeah. you can just do that, and then it I says mean, maybe apart the- from your skill level, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, like super eager. <laughs> you you have to be very good. <laughs> but like un- under the t- under the defeat Ganon, it just says optional. Do the rest of the game, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's that one checklist that like is the top of your list of things to do, um, and 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 it's very important that you do it, and you can do it at any point. But then it also says, but here are all the other things you can do meanwhile. And I've never finished Breath of the Wild because I've never felt the need to. Like, I don't need the boss fight to feel like I've finished the game. Mm. You know, like it's like I've watched speed runs. I know what the last bit is like. I, I've seen that happen. It's, it's not important to me to finish the game. What's important to me is to run around that game as sort of naked link, annoying people as I go. <laughs> like, I like. And like unlocking all the little stories, like because you unlock sort of the overall story and relationship between Zelda and Link, I guess. And yeah. then like everyone's little stories, like the sister, the rumor mill sisters. Oh, fascinating. <laughs> like following that little story. And then just all these little like side quests that are linked to different people's stories. Mm. Like these people living their lives out. And, you know. I think that is the thing with like the open world games. It allows you to then create your own stories and and experiences. I think like for the majority of games, there's always going to be some variation in the playthrough. But with open world games, it really gives you that like, oh, I didn't even, like you said, I didn't even go to that bit yet. And this is my experience. I I do quite like that uh that balance i will say for um so for more linear uh game experiences is just having being able to feel or go through like the experiences and the feelings that the developers or the, the game designers wanted you to feel and getting that uh, i guess for me it's like a sense of completion like i i had that experience mm-hmm. that you wanted me to feel and particularly with uh the last of us and the last of us part two which uh, i wanted to touch on not not specifically those games but the reaction to those games kind of really sparked this thing in, in my mind about storytelling in video games and we've spoken about the like the mechanics of it and i wanted to before we get to the end of of this conversation make sure we touch on sort of how do we how do we cover these games and the reason i mentioned the last of us is just seeing 
just seeing some of the the reaction sort of before the game came out, The Last of Us Part Two, obviously, uh, unfortunately, large parts of it got leaked or like all the cutscenes or whatever it was uh, got leaked. And I was just seeing certain reactions to the game that people <laughs> hadn't played, which I thought was funny uh, on one side. And I kind of, I, I dismissed a lot because I think a lot of it was just people upset that there's a there's a female lead there's there's a, mm. a gay relationship and so i kind of sort of dismissed that but having then played the game and then seeing the reactions to the the game that is that really interested me because what i saw is people who felt really passionately about uh joel and ellie and the way the story went in the first game and wanted a particular thread with those two characters whereas what you've got is is the game that they wanted they wanted to tell you so it didn't i think i said this when we did the panel it didn't it essentially like didn't expect respect your opinion of what should be just like this is the game we're making um and mm. this is what you're going to experience but then it's like how do you how do you cover that so i saw people who were saying you know last of us part two is a is a bad game because essentially what amounted to is because the story didn't go in the direction that I felt it should have. Mm. And particularly for The Last of Us Part Two, because it's not a it's not a fun game. Like you're not it's not it's not Mario. Like <laughs> you're, not, uh, <laughs> you're not running around some weird New York City uh kind of jumping on people's heads and, and stuff like that. This is a heavy, <laughs> heavy game. And it's I think it's the only game that I so one I can remember where there were two moments in the game where I literally did not want to do the things that the game wanted <laughs> that you had to do to progress and i like that i like that just different emotion um that was feeling so uh, i i bring that up just to say like because we've got uh imogen and, and thomas as people who write about games and when you do that how do you how do you separate the like objective kind of what the game is the mechanics that we've spoken about and the way the story is conveyed to the subjective and the actual story when you're writing about or critiquing game what it might be so i don't imagine you i mean you you know just started at um the gaming bible is that how mm -hmm. are you kind of approaching that as you as you talk about video game stories so it's 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 a really difficult it's a difficult process there's no easy way to go about it i think that there is the problem that when it comes to reviews and it comes to coverage, there is no such thing as completely like, unless you are so dry that you are stating the facts about it, that you're just saying, so it is released on this day and, and that's it. Like, like you're just stating fact. As soon as a slight opinion comes into it, there is no, there is no avoiding uh, a bias and opinion on what happens in, in, in the game. Um, I recently reviewed um, Hades uh, with uh, my colleague uh, Ewan Moore. And we both uh, we had a discussion about it where we were both basically just gushing about the game, where we weren't really going so into uh, uh, the detail about the story and how that worked, but we were talking more about how the story intertwined to the mechanics and how it's a fantastic roguelike and how it represents that type of game and that type of story well, rather than saying that the story just by itself was fantastic. It was about the representation of games, like, like, like the, uh, the, the product it has produced and how well it achieves what it wants to achieve. And I think that's really how I try and like look at games, I think. Does it achieve what it wants? It doesn't matter if I like it, 
because uh, th- there's a game that I hate that I know is a good game uh, called Dishonored, right? I hated playing oh, okay. that game. I hated playing Dishonored when I was a lot younger. I might go back to it now. But it made me uneasy. I just, I didn't like the characters. I didn't like the world. However, I think at that, even at, at that age, I went, but it's a good game. It does what it wants. It does it well. It's not glitchy. It looks stylistically very well put together. Um, if you like this sort of thing, it's a fantastic game. I hate it though. <laughs> and so like, so, so it, like there is definitely like an attempt. You can put things together. I, I think it it just depends on actually taking a step back saying, so why don't I like this? Or why do I like it? And does that have anything to do with the quality of the thing that it is putting forward to me? And I, I think that like, I, I don't want to go into a whole dis- uh, discussion like social media and sort of lack of nuance and stuff like that. But just mm. to make a point that that's a, that's a good approach because a lot of what I was seeing in, in The Last of Us kind of back and forth is people like, unable to do what you just did basically <laughs> just I, I i don't to say and if if the game does not like conform to my exact expectations then it's a waste and it should not exist and it's just mm-hmm. a lack of being able to to appreciate that not every game and not every story is for you but it yeah, doesn't yeah. mean it's it's not good it doesn't mean it shouldn't exist and this story shouldn't be told so i yeah i think that's a good approach to to take but uh I, like thomas i don't know if you've like have anything to add to that to add on to that like my day-to-day job is marketing for games so immediately when i saw all of this um discussion about the last last of us part two i started thinking about well what were the audience expectations for a game called the last of us part two like i don't (laughs) i don't know if you can give some insight into this but say for example the game was called the last of us um what remains or didn't specify that it was the second mm. part, like didn't specify that, look, this is the continuation of the story because it sounds like it took quite a bit of a deviation. Do you think that might have helped um, people view the game in a more positive light if it was like, look, we're doing it in the same universe, but we're telling a different, like, we're not going to focus on Joel and Ellie like we did in the first one? Mm. That's actually, a ve- that's a very that's good a question. Good point. I haven't played it, so I, I can't ooh. even give, like, my... Because I think that there's, there's like games for me that have been like part two or something, and they might not follow the exact like storyline you expect them, but it's not like, oh, this isn't part. It's still, it's still like the next phase. And I think for The Last of Us, it's such like it's, it's people's lives, like they're fictional people, but it's their mm. lives. So yeah. it's irrelevant what you think should happen. That's not how life works. <laughs> that's the point of those games that they're so real like i remember playing the first last of us and on and this was back when it was on ps3 this wasn't even the the remastered version and like playing it and uh the guy i was dating at the time his dad was watching us play and thought we were watching a movie like Mm. that's how gripping it was and that's how like involved in these these lives you were like you didn't even notice it was a game and we're like but do you not see us shooting people Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and like it's like so you know if you're if you was like following someone's lives a group of people's lives it's not going to go yeah it just unfolds it doesn't go how you want it to go your own life doesn't go how you want it to go come on people yeah i can't even even plan my own like but i think actually i'm just thinking about that point because 
so I feel like in this particular instance, if they had set those expectations of where they were or what they were focusing on in the game, it would have spoiled the game. I think a lot of the experience came from came from that. I was going to say misdirection, not even misdirection, like just, just that. Subverting expectations. Yes, yeah, a lot of it came from that and the fact that you were expecting one thing, but it took you on a completely different path. And had they told you what that was, you you just you just needed to experience it. You needed to go through these uh, these emotions. But to like your wider point about how I guess like how games are marketed or how the expectation is set, may, maybe yeah, it would be. I see. I maybe it would be better for some people, but I'm 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 okay with the the approach they took. It's just because you know this is a sort of part two or a sequel to a game that you know that people who have played it sort of know and for the most part really liked. And for me, I was like, I, I trust you to to take on another journey that yeah. I will enjoy. And I say enjoy in air quotes because it's a tough <laughs> game. Um, but yeah, so I'm just, I'm just happy to go on the journey. And then if I don't like something on it, like even without sort of going into spoilers, there was sort of a uh, sort of major point early on that I just, I, I didn't like and I... I you know, I was going into my like kind of as a creator of a story. I wouldn't have done this at this point, but then as I played it, it just made more sense why why they did that. So yeah, I think for me, I I, I if it's someone who's come in with a you know reputation, you know reputation for quality in terms of like game story, I'm just happy. Just like let me play the game, and then I'll and I'll yeah. tell you. And and that's kind of where I felt about the criticism. It was like you haven't even played the game, and you're you're just putting all these like assumptions uh on it and it's like weird so when we get you know these more complex narratives is like how are people gonna respond if uh because once you you expand the narratives and the types of stories that can be told and the types of characters and perspectives that can be included in these games i feel like unfortunately we're gonna get more of this where people are like i don't like this this isn't this isn't my perspective on life or this yeah. is where i think you should like, take the characters therefore this, this game is zero yeah so it's just weird. I don't know what we do about it, but it's just a weird thing I'm seeing. I think having more of those games and like it creating its own like micro genre mm. is something that, you know, it will change those expectations. You know, like this is a like story game and the story is not necessarily it's not fan service. <laughs> it's oh no, this is the opposite needs, of fan service. Yeah, it's Lots a story of, yeah. that needs to be told. And it, it's actually crazy because I'm not a fan of Game of Thrones, but uh, and one of the reasons is because I don't like people dying. <laughs> in it. Mm-hmm. Every time you get attached to someone, they die. And when they killed off the first dire wolf, that was it. I was like, no, I'm done. <laughs> you know, you, anyone but an animal is fine. <laughs> anyway, um, but... So that's so popular and everyone says like they love it because they get so attached and it just breaks your expectations and i think if more video games are made like that people will just start to learn that type of video game and then we can expect oh this is going to be like last of us part two this is that kind of game that takes you on a journey uh, well i think it's the language isn't it the thing that uh tom brought up was the idea it like it says part two it implies that the first is incomplete now Mm -hmm. the first was a complete story now it is incomplete unless you acknowledge that this is the second half or the you know part two of what that story originally was and so i think it is different from other games and how other games have treated it 
because you have Destiny 1 and then Destiny 2. They're not the same story, but they are the same franchise, the same ideas. And yeah, I think when it comes to like what will be, you know, God of War and then God of War Ragnarok, there's the idea that, you know, that it's the same character follow through. However, I think with The Last of Us 2, it was so specifically part two. Like you have to play it to understand the first part, you know? It's it's like it it felt very deliberately like her. Huh, that's you thought it was it. This is what you have to experience now. Although the first you may have thought ended in a perfect way, you have to acknowledge the hard truth that this is not how it ends, you know? Yeah. And it was very much that. Because even at the end of part one, I was like, okay, they can just finish it there. And I'm I'm okay with this, what was kind of um, ambiguous ending, which I really liked. But I also liked the way they continued it on from the events of the first game. So... Yeah, it's just a new, hopefully a new thing we can get used to as more games, you know, take take this approach. But yeah, it's just that how we kind of respond to them. Yeah, I think like the biggest thing for me is the fact that it's it's that audience expectation, right? Like we've talked about loads of different kinds of games, but I think if you think about like the story of your average indie game versus the story of your average AAA game, like you're immediately going to go in with different expectations, right? You're expecting the indie game to be much more experimental. Like you're expecting something like quite a bit different. Whereas you know that a AAA game, even if it sticks to like, okay, we're going to try something a bit different, there's still going to be those classic beats that it needs to hit. So the thing I always like to consider is like looking towards the future and particularly this year where we've got new consoles uh, coming out. So I'm kind of wondering, as we get, you know, a new kind of level of technology and uh, teams get better at telling more complex games, like what are we looking forward to in the future of storytelling in video games? And in particular, one thing that kind of stood out to me and has been made a big deal of, particularly with with Sony, is this um, this SSD drive uh, that's going to be in both consoles but Sony making a real big uh, push for that differentiation in their system uh, and the fact that will reduce or just you know eliminate uh, loading times and uh, I think we mentioned it earlier where sort of cutscenes give that chance to you know bring the pace down a bit or give across information same with like loading screens where we've come come used to them being used as a way to sort of load the next part of the level that you're on but also maybe get across some element of the the world or or the story um so my question uh for people is like but what what are you looking forward to in in terms of like storytelling in the future and do you think technology either the ssd drive or something else uh, will have a big impact on the future of storytelling in video games um imogen what do you think oh I think, I know, you know, it's a big, big question. yeah, well, stories, you know, stories are old as time, you know, storytelling has been a big part of everything forever. Um, with games, I think the visual quality uh, of, of how stories can be told, like, to, like where before it was your character would run up to a footprint in the snow, be like, that's a footprint in the snow. Like, like they would say that and you'd be like, oh, okay, you've told me the fact. Whereas, you know, uh, like, when you get you know with a higher quality looking games you will see the footprint and you will know it's there without being told 
so yeah, I think that there is, you know, there's definitely um, something to be thought about when it comes to uh, a direct comparison towards uh, things that are, you know, things that you can see and things you could be told through visual uh, things with, you know, better consoles. Um, but also in part of part of me says that, you know, you don't need a good video game to tell a good story. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you can have really good stories that aren't just in video game form. So it's I think it's a bit of both. I, I think there will be there'll be certainly more interesting ways to incorporate story into games uh, for the future. Really, what I want to see are less gruff white men in their thirties being the lead of just, uh, <laughs> uh, the, you know, the, being the lead of, you know, the, the, the game that I'm playing and a little bit more intersectionality in the way stories can be told, you know, r- rather than just be a story centered around it's Christmas day, maybe Eid instead, maybe being taught about different cultures a little bit better when it comes to storytelling. Maybe a story point could be something that you don't know because culturally you're not um, used to it. However, someone that is from another culture would absolutely get a story beat that you wouldn't, and it would be something that you would have to learn as as you go through the game and that that sort of way up. That's stuff that I would love to see, you know. I love that. Because we uh, learn about I was just gonna say just to add, because we learn about like fictional cultures and games really easily. Mm. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like <laughs> you know, I've learned different languages <laughs> in video games. But yeah, love that point. Yeah. How about you, Thomas? Uh, I'm personally really interested in seeing where procedural generation uh, goes with storytelling in video games. Like, not just from a, you know, player's personal stories experiencing something completely different each time, um, but seeing how stories can be generated uh, through artificial intelligence and procedural generation. Like, have have any of you guys seen AI Dungeon? No. No. Uh, so it is a text-based adventure, uh, but it's entirely generated by deep learning. So it starts you with a prompt. Uh, you can say literally anything, and then it will generate the next line of the story based on what you said. So, like, imagine a if anyone's played Dungeons and Dragons, uh, where mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I can do exactly what I want. Like, this is the best video game ever. I can like jump out of this window or I can swing on the chandelier I can do whatever I want like this is the digital version of that um and it's still a little bit uh janky like sometimes it starts putting in characters that you've not introduced and sometimes people just change who they are from line to line um but as a like proof of concept it's really really cool Mm. it's like so funny because both of your points are kind of like pretty much lead into what I was going on. <laughs> and, it, and it was the idea of like having these like different stories that we're, we've not been told and like different cultures and different things coming into play. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for the for a story that I already know. Cause I like, I take, sometimes it takes me so long to like adjust to what I'm being told. And then I have to like go back on something. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's all the stuff I missed. But I still love learning new stuff and, and being in new worlds. And I, that's why I play video games, right? Because I want to be someone different every day. Um, <laughs> but I would love to just see more just where we can go with how interacting with the video game world, how it changes the world, and how like maybe like we have, you know, we talk about open world games that maybe there's like a next step beyond the open world games that will start to sort of see maybe not 
in this generation, but maybe towards the end of it when people, um, when developers are able to like utilize and ma like maximize its potential. The kinds of stories that like, what kind of story can you tell in VR that you can't tell um, with just a screen and a controller, right? Yeah. And um, like just new mechanics and different mechanics that we've not used before that are now more, like can actually work with faster loading times and and less like loading screens and because I feel like we've hit a point where you can have a very good looking game and not it doesn't need to be at like a thousand frames per second and oh, yeah. <laughs> in eight, 8k or whatever like we <laughs> 16k yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I've, I don't I've got to a point where I barely I don't even know the difference like someone has to sit there and point out the difference mm -hmm. like I'm very okay with like you know like 30 frames I noticed the difference between 30 and 60 but like in between there like I'm fine like if we're at 45 I don't know frames like I'm not I don't miss those frames I'm fine like I can watch at it's good enough yeah, yeah. I can watch at like I don't even need 4k you know <laughs> I'm not in a character's face won't make that more interesting as a character yeah so I'd much rather that power goes towards like more interesting ways we interact with the game and how that moves the story along and like I don't know I don't I don't know what it is but I'm just you know different because I'm not the one developing and inventing I just know that I want something new yeah. like that I don't that I couldn't just think of on the spot I want that next Tazzy's the Tazzy's the ideas person just like hey, <laughs> just, <laughs> get this done. um I but I agree with that though I think um and just seeing in the um the Sony demo of Ratchet and Clank which in itself was like really great to see but just for me when I'm seeing the just going into different worlds of the dimensions instantly like because I mean it was just good to see anyway but also you know past life as a software engineer just like understanding like what they're doing in that moment like oh wow you can that that just opens up when you can just in, instantly change the environment um so yeah i agree with that and seeing what can be done there and i think yeah to imogen's point about just different perspectives i feel the idea for stories is just is telling different perspectives so let's see more different perspectives in in the games that we play and uh, um and also like f on the similar lines just different ways to interact with the world because uh, you know a lot of gaming is uh, in some way you're you're shooting or hacking or slashing or something like that and that impacts how you interact with the world impacts the kind of worlds and the kind of stories so again i'm with tazzy ideas person um let's see what <laughs> other other kind of ways and i whenever i say this i think about i don't know if anyone played a game called mirror's edge uh, uh yeah yeah, at least the original one. I didn't play the, the the next one, but I really like the original one, even though it frustrates it frustrated me in, in points. But you, it was first person perspective, but the idea is, is you didn't want to shoot, and it was like disarming, and it was like parkour. Uh, this is the way you interact with the environment. I thought that was just amazing and just a different way to interact with the game, and it changed the way you know the story that was told in the game changed the way you interacted in the game as well so i think yeah going forward I'm, I'm less concerned about sort of graphical fidelity and more like okay what kind of games are we are we making um, yeah yeah for sure with? yeah especially with like playstation's new controller and like yeah i mean i don't think the switch utilizes enough of its not just motion but touchscreen and mm. like 
Animal Crossing. You can't touch the touch screen. I'm like, why? Oh, oh, there's um, there's one game that does that uses the Switch in the best way I've seen. Uh, it's called a normal lost phone, where you turn the Switch on its side and you use the Switch like it's a uh, like it's a phone, okay. um, and you can click on things. So that that's a great story. Re- highly, highly recommend that as a great story game that use utilizes hardware in a more interesting way. It's like so stuff like that. One two switch, like it's basically a demo of like all the things the switch can do. But like hardly any games use any of those things. And I'm like, hello. And especially with like VR becoming a thing, like there's just I feel like this opens up all these potential possibilities. And I just don't uh, people take risks, please. Especially like yeah, like a big developers please take risks because you have the money to make really cool stuff like because you get some you get like more like indie studios and stuff that do something but then it's a bit janky because you know it's just this one person making Mm. the game and they don't have all this funding and like they know it's buggy but like it takes time and they're just one person trying to do this or like you know obviously that's not all indie games you do get the games with much bigger but still like and you've got these big studios with like massive budgets and they're like scared to even put like skin tones on. And I'm like, <laughs> please take risks because I'm spending a lot of money on your games. Like, and I want to be wowed. Like, mm. I don't care if I'm annoyed at the beginning because it's frustrating. And I'm so used to like this one mechanic. Like, I don't care. We'll get over it. The whole world will get over it. We've done it before. <laughs> and there's bigger problems in the world now than like a new mechanic to learn. So I think we're ready. <laughs> we can take it. Yeah, I, I, feel like, I feel like everyone's ready for like the, the, the studios with a lot of money to like take those leaps and we're going to buy the game. Mm. Like people are bored, you know, lockdown two is coming. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to experience like way more of things where we're like having to deal with like being at home more uh, and having more time on our hands. So like just just do it just do it take that step take mm-hmm. that leap <laughs> there you go that is the, the course action for the games industry <laughs> take more risks yeah there you go um, <laughs> so yeah i mean uh for our listeners let us know what you want to see like going forward in terms of video games storytelling that aren't just about uh graphics because there's more to games and graphics uh as always our email address is feedback at myamada.com and yeah you can give us your feedback or send across any questions on this episode story discussion um before we get out of here we're going to find out what our guests are up to yeah so um we'll start with our previous guests I was going to say veteran, but I mean, one episode. <laughs> veteran one. <laughs> one episode vet. <laughs> um, Imogen, what is going on with you at the moment? What's new and in any interesting projects that you want? Oh, goodness. I've got, oh, I don't know what I can talk about. This is the interesting thing. I, I guess the first thing is I, I stream a lot these days. Um, I'm Taking streaming very seriously is sort of something I want to do for years to come. So I go by uh, Momento, uh, M-0-R-M-E-N-T-O on um, on Twitch. And, and I take that very seriously. Yesterday, I just did a charity stream for War Child. A lot of fun and sort of you know, big streams on the way there. 
yeah, just doing my general writing stuff, doing some exciting project writing stuff that I can't really talk about at the moment, I don't think. Uh, I've got a shoot in London tomorrow for something else that I'm doing. Uh, so yeah, basically I have projects going on. Follow me on Twitter if you want to know what <laughs> what's going on when I can talk about those things. But um, but yeah, basically the, the big thing that I can talk about at the moment is 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 my continuation of my streaming stuff. Yeah. Excellent. We'll make sure we put the links in the show notes so that you can find out that thing and that stuff. <laughs> that thing and the stuff that I can't talk about right now. <laughs> the image on how's going on. And um, for our first timer, let us know where we can find you and any inter- interesting projects that you have. Sure. Well, at the moment, uh, I'm currently well, my day job. Uh, like I said, I'm working at a company called Nomad Games. Uh, so we make digital adaptations of board games and at the time of recording we're about a month out from releasing our next game uh, which i'm doing all the the marketing and publishing for so i haven't pulled all my hair out just yet but it's gonna be getting there as the month goes on (laughs) Uh, so you'll be able to find everything about uh fury of dracula digital edition uh, at furyofdracula.digital at nice easy website just go there has everything you need uh, if you want to listen to me talk about things or just read about me talk about things, you can find me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter is, uh, let me just make sure I get it right, because uh, I don't use Twitter a huge amount because it kind of makes me a bit sad. But when I am tweeting on there, you can find me at Tom Young Writes. Awesome. Um, again, we will put the links in the podcast notes and you can check all this out. Make sure you do because I've had two awesome guests on today. Uh, but if you do have any feedback for us, you can send it at feedback at mymatter.com or on our social medias at mymatter on Twitter, at mymattertees on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. And that brings us to the end of this discussion. So thank you to Imogen and to Thomas uh, for, yeah, just helping us talk about storytelling in video games. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, always a delight. <laughs> yeah, confirm my uh, first time on was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, if you uh, like this discussion, uh, we have lots of discussions like this and about different stories you can listen to and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Uh, you can leave us a rating or a review wherever you're listening uh, to help us reach more people uh, and let them also confirm their Uh, appreciation for our discussions let's do more of that um so outside of video games we also make manga Uh, i'm currently not literally right now but uh we'll (laughs) be uh now working on our next manga story serious through the fog after we raised uh an amount on kickstarter so uh reached our goal and now we're making the the comic for december uh yeah that's that's the aim so i'm gonna be working on that and then get that out to backers and and point that out uh we have existing um manga that's available now at myamada.com forward slash manga you can check out all the stories that we have from our universe of anthropomorphic characters and as i mentioned at the top we have a discord community that you can check out now and join us for live stream events uh replays of events gone by uh, and also uh, jump on our YouTube because I'm trying to make more use of our YouTube channel by putting all our interviews and panels and stuff uh, on there as well. Um, and in general, just stay tuned for more podcast episodes, including creator interviews, video game discussions like this, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. 
Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com. You can also check out our website to listen and subscribe to future episodes, which is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So until then, stay tuned, stay safe and take risks, everyone. Thank you.